Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through Ephesians, and in the previous message I was in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, and I was talking about the divisions that took place, that we have the division of the angels, whereas the angels divided between the angelic host and the demons. We also had the division that took place between God and humanity when Adam and Eve rejected the truth of God. They believed the devil. They believed the satanic lie that all they need to know is what is good and evil and they can be like God. That caused a division between God and humanity. The other division that I emphasized was the division between the Jew and the Gentile. This happened later. And God was the one who caused this division within humanity by giving the law. The law that was given through Moses that defined the nation of Israel was the description of good and evil. It was God's contribution to mankind's great effort to try to be like God through the knowledge of good and evil. So he contributed towards this effort as part of the process of showing people that there's no way that this is going to work out for anybody. He caused the division between the Jew and the Gentile, which effectively means between the Jew and the non-Jew, He did this through the giving of the Old Covenant to the entire nation of Israel. The Jews were just one of the tribes, the tribe that remained. There was also the tribe of Benjamin and about half the Levites that were part of what was recognized as the Jews during the time when Jesus was conducting his ministry. But these are the three main divisions that I was explaining in the previous program. The division of the angels, the division between God and humanity, and the division between the Jew and the Gentile. Now, when God provided for forgiveness, he, in effect, took away the law, which was a barrier between the Jew and the Gentile. That was what caused the division between the people to begin with. When he established the nation of Israel, you then have the Israelites who live by the law and everybody else who does not. But when he provided for forgiveness, he effectively took away that barrier between the Jew and the Gentile. He did that because the law demanded perfection or death. No one could obey it perfectly. God died for the sins of humanity. He died for the sins of the world effectively fulfilling the death option. It's either obedience or death. No one could obey, and no one's life was worth giving. And so God gave his own life in order to fulfill the demand of death for failure to live in obedience to the commandments. And so from his point of view, the law was fulfilled. Being fulfilled, it is no longer an obstacle between himself and humanity, or in this case, between himself and the Israelites. 
Anyone who was a Gentile who wanted to be a part of that covenant could do so just by submitting themselves to the Mosaic Law. If they didn't do that, then if there was a question that was brought before God at the point of death, were they a good person or were they not, God could use their own law in order to demonstrate to them whatever law they were using or whatever law they lived by. He could show them by their own standards of how they would judge other people that they could be judged just the same. So from God's point of view, when he died on the cross for the sins of the world, at that point, the division between the Jew and the Gentile was taken away. However, people have continued to live ever since then as if that division still exists. It exists only in the minds of the people. It is non-existent in the mind and in the purposes of God. Now, there are still some prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled that do suggest that we need both groups of people to be identified as God will continue to be involved in the lives of people and there will be some prophetic fulfillment in the future. But in the context of our right standing with God, in the context of who we really are to him, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, is irrelevant. It has been ever since he died and resurrected from the dead. The other thing that I mentioned in the previous message had to do with the idea of the inheritance, that in the Old Covenant, God described the giving of the land to the nation of Israel as an inheritance. But this, again, is an inheritance of the flesh. The division between the two people had to do with the Gentiles, in effect, living for the indulgence of the flesh, as defined by the Mosaic Law. And the Israelites may have been living for the restraint of the flesh, but either way, both groups are still living by the flesh. And the inheritance of the Old Covenant was an inheritance of the physical land that they could dwell in by their flesh. And the blessings that would be given to them if they were obedient to God were blessings of the flesh. None of this had anything to do with the spirit, with the spirit of a person, with the deep-rooted needs that we were created to have that could only be fulfilled by our God. There was nothing in the law that addressed these issues at all. And so when he presented the new covenant, it was presented as a will that does not describe what is the will of God for your life today, in the sense of where are you going to go, what are you going to eat, what kind of work are you going to do, who are you going to marry, you know, those kinds of things that people are usually consumed with. What is the desire of God for me individually? It wasn't about that. It was about the desire of God that we should receive all that we need for life and godliness freely, as an inheritance that would be given to us as a result of his death. That is the will of God, the description of an inheritance that we receive as a result of his death. In order to become a recipient of the inheritance, you must be a child of God, which means you must be born again, which means there must be a means by which you can be born again. You can be made into a new creation. 
And that is what the gospel is about. It's about forgiving the sins of the world so that he can give to us the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam so that we might be resurrected from the dead, now having the life of God dwelling within us again. And there would never be any sin that would cause that life to depart from within us because all sin was forgiven when Jesus died on the cross. So when we receive the Holy Spirit of God, we are made spiritually alive, and this life will never leave us, and so it is by definition an eternal life that we can experience right now and today, and will carry us on into eternity after we physically die. So those are some of the divisions that God created, but the unification or the gathering together of all things, has to do with when a person embraces the gospel. When a person surrenders to the new covenant, expresses their thankfulness to God that they have been forgiven because they acknowledge their need for forgiveness, and when they receive the Holy Spirit of God to dwell within their spirit to make them spiritually alive, then they are saved. Then they are born again as a child of God and they can be the recipient of the inheritance. And our life in Christ can be described as the pursuit and the discovery of what we have already received in Christ Jesus so that we can live our lives with what we have instead of living in the way that most Christians do, which has to do with trying to obtain something from God so that they can have an improvement in their lives. We are to discover what we already have, which is what he came to give. And in effect, a reasonable summary to describe the inheritance that we have received is we have received him as a person within us. So we have a person who is with us, who loves us, who accepts us, who gives us meaning and understanding and discernment and will give us purpose in our lives. So this then becomes an individual experience that every believer will then live on their own to discover what they have, how they may apply it, and to get to know their God as a person. But before that, it is a collective experience in the sense that God reaches out to everyone. He reaches out to the collective to the Jew and to the Gentile with the same message. And when a person responds, then they are no longer a Gentile if they were a Gentile. They are no longer a Jew if they were once a Jew. They then become a child of God. So then in verse 10, this is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one All things in Christ. He will gather together all of those people who surrendered to the gospel, who were born again by the Spirit, and we will also be gathered together with those angels who did not rebel and become demons. Again, in the second part of verse 10, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Now, moving forward into verse 11, it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 
All right, now in the first part of verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. That's what I was referring to earlier about the will of God being the description of an inheritance. Going on in verse 11, being predestined according to the purpose of him. Now, what is the purpose of God? Well, there are many purposes, but the primary purpose that we need to keep in mind is that God wants people in his life because they want to be in his life. He wants people to know him because they want to know him. So how did he predetermine who would be one of those people? He predetermined who would be one of these people by defining the new covenant in a way that only those kinds of people would respond to the new covenant. Only those kinds of people who want to know him and who want to be in his life. He did not predetermine the people on an individual basis. He predetermined the kind of person by defining the gospel, by defining the way that a person could be saved. That was predestination. That was the destiny, or you could call the determination of God. That was his purpose. That was what he was doing, which would take place over a period of time, which fits into the category of destiny, destination, predetermined. But this is not the only thing that he predetermined. He certainly did not predetermine the individuals, but he did predetermine the kind of individual. He predetermined other things. For example, he knew that he was going to fulfill the demand of the law that he was eventually going to give. He knew that he was going to do that. That was part of his design. And so dying for the sins of the world to fulfill the law was predetermined. That was predestined. And the consequence of that, in conjunction with the predestination of the gospel, was that the Jew and the Gentile were predestined to become one in Christ Jesus. Again, the Jew and the Gentile were predestined to become one in Christ Jesus. The two groups were going to become members, or people within those two groups, were going to become members of the new group, the child of God the born-again believer, the person who would be in Christ. This was predetermined. This is the predestination that Paul mainly focuses on in this letter to the Ephesians. If you were to turn ahead, for example, turn ahead into chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, Paul says, "...how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery..." as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. 
again in verse 6. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, just looking ahead, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. This is what he mentions briefly of in chapter 1. Again in verse 3, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, and we've already been introduced to the idea of the mystery in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9, going back to chapter 1 verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. What is the mystery? The mystery is that the Jew and the Gentile will become one in Christ Jesus. And that this is what was predestined. This is what was predetermined. Again, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. So this is the unification from the division. He divided the Jew and the Gentile. He took away the barrier that divided the two by dying for the sins of the world, fulfilling the demands of the law. People still will have this belief in their own minds that there is a separation between the Jew and the Gentile, and they relate to each other as if there still is. But from God's point of view, there hasn't been, not since he died on the cross, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. This is what he predetermined. So then going back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. The Jews who believe the gospel obtained an inheritance. The Gentiles who believed the gospel obtained the same inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, which is the new covenant, according to the counsel of the new covenant. The purpose of him is that people would be born again, that people would become spiritually alive, that they would become his children, that they would have an individual relationship with him from that point forward, that they would have a place with him in the kingdom of heaven. That is his purpose, that is his will, and anything else. You know, there are so many different interpretations and beliefs and teachings about Ephesians chapter 1 and about the letter to the Ephesians in general. But there are so many different interpretations and presentations and theologies that come out of this. What I am saying is that none of that is here. It's just not here. If people want to believe that, if you want to believe that kind of stuff that people are promoting that is simply not here in Ephesians chapter 1, then go somewhere else in the Bible to find it, but not here. This is talking about groups of people that God is reaching out to, bringing them together, gathering them together, but only those who want to be with him. Continuing into verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. 
In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When all of this got started, when the new covenant went into effect, it was only known among the Jews. So, of course, the first people who would embrace it would be those who were of the Jews. But then word got out. And as word got out, then there were others who were saved who were not Jews, but they were saved in the same way, through the same Spirit, by which they were sealed and made into new creations, and they were saved. Again in verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Well, those who trusted in Christ afterwards were also for the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Believed what? Believed the gospel. The gospel of sin, death, forgiveness, and the restoration of life. The life of God known as The Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The idea of the praise of his glory being initiated and also presented in verse 14, that the Gentiles will also be to the praise of his glory, which has to do with the revelation of the knowledge of him. Knowing him is what it means for him to be glorified. He is glorified because he is known. And so knowing him is an expression of praise. When we praise him, we praise him because we know him. And his spirit within us is the guarantee of our inheritance. The inheritance that we have and experience right now. And what we will also continue to discover and enjoy when we enter into the kingdom of heaven and we can apply more of what we have in Christ, what we have in our God, when we experience that new life that we will all once have when we physically die and we enter into the kingdom of heaven. So again, the division between the Jew and the Gentiles was created by God through the giving of the law. And when he fulfilled the law, By the death on the cross, when he fulfilled the demands of the law, he then, by default, took away the barrier, that which defined the two different groups of people, the Jew and the non-Jew, the Jew and the Gentile. And so from God's perspective, there is no Jew and there is no Gentile anymore. These are now abstractions that have survived because the people who have refused to recognize the fulfillment through the cross, the fulfillment of the law, it's because of the people's refusal to really understand and embrace the significance of the forgiveness of sins that people are not recognizing that those two distinctions no longer really exist. And so just as the Jew is to the praise of his glory, because Through the Jew, God has been made known, so also now through the Gentiles. The Gentiles are to the praise of his glory, because through the Gentiles, 
God will also be known. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you man.